What's crack like in Regeneration Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Hunters Live. Tonight we are joined by Holly Ann Swan, and she was an incredible guest. You're gonna hear all about how she found ultra running, how she found the trails in general after having an impressive collegiate career and an impressive road marathoning career. We dive deep into Rims River last year, her preparations for Rims River this year, as well as the Run Wild 20 miler, which she recently took the top spot at. We are so excited. We hope you guys enjoy. Tonight we are joined by Holly Ann Swan, an ultra runner from West Virginia who is on an absolute tear right now with her most recent win coming at the Run Wild 20 miler, which was just put on for its inaugural year uh, last weekend. Uh, she has also won at the Kanawha Trace 50K and is the course record holder for the Grayson Highlands 50K. Holly Ann is a rabbit elite, Coros Global and Honey Stinger athlete. We are so happy she's joining us tonight on the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, as always, my name is Cam Wrench, the sixth man of the nation, joined by the lovely Wesley Harton from Logan, Utah. I'm coming to you from Missoula, Montana, making us the only East Coast trail and running podcast that is hosted mainly by dudes from the West Coast now. Wesley, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to dive into tonight's show with Holly Ann. You know, like you kind of said in the intro, she's been absolutely crushing races this whole calendar year, and she's got a cool backstory. So I'm excited to kind of learn uh, a little bit a little bit more about that. But let's start things off with how we normally start the show uh, with what is everyone drinking tonight? And let's start with Holly Ann. Um, so typically I'd be drinking a West Virginia brew, but... Um, had to switch things up with something that's been my favorite lately. It's an Imperial peanut butter Hefeweizen by Rusty Rails out of Pennsylvania. That's an awesome choice. Awesome choice. Cam, what about you? All right. And I am uh, representing the new hometown with a Big Sky IPA. It's got a nice pronghorn on the front of this. I saw one of these in real life for the first time on Saturday, no, Friday night, actually. So very fitting. What about you, Wesley? Well, I, I, the, can, I, the animal that I have in my can is the walrus. And thankfully, I did not see any of these this weekend uh, out in the Grand Tetons because that would have been quite frightening. But uh, this is one of my favorite drinks. So whenever I'm up in uh, Jackson, Wyoming, to uh, make sure to stop and grab. All right. And um, with that, let's go ahead and just dump, jump, uh, excuse me, right into things. Um, Holly Ann, your most recent win came at the Run, uh, Run Wild 20 Miler. Um, let us know why, why did you want to hop in this race? It's a first year race. It's obviously pretty close to home for you, but it's, it's a 20 miler. Um, you know, that's not really a huge, exciting distance for most people. What was, the what was the reasoning for signing up for this? Well, I mean, 20 miler is still pretty new and exciting to me, I suppose. But, um, I really love the trails at Barbersville, um, being local. It's something that I'm able to uh, run a good bit. But um, love Roman Ryan. Um, they're an awesome local company as well. Uh, it was something that uh, I saw back in spring and was really excited about. But I'd already uh, signed up for the Greenbrier River Trail Marathon. That's this upcoming weekend. So I was kind of going back and forth about it, but decided to jump right in last minute. And with jumping into it last minute. Um, a thing that we probably should mention is that uh, you weren't on the entrance list and you didn't get mentioned in that prediction video, which 
to be fair, Wesley's gotten quite a few wrong before, so it wasn't that. It, it always breaks my heart, especially for a name like Holly Ann. You know, I was looking at the entrance <laughs> list a couple of weeks before, and it, even the re- leading up to it, I was like, is she going to jump in this thing? And uh, I was just too early on the predictions, but uh, yeah. And so um, with knowing that um, it's a 20-miler, which is not a standard race distance, and you've got a trail marathon coming up the next week. Did you see this race more as like a long supported training run? Did you taper for it? What was um, your mindset going into and how it fit into your larger goals? Yeah, definitely no, not a taper. Um, I, I mean, I wanted to do well, but I think like adding it on top of the marathon this upcoming weekend will be good back-to-back um, races to kind of, Help me get used to those tired legs for the hundred miler that's coming up in November. Absolutely. And so with that said, did you have any, any specific goals going into this race? Um, I, I feel like I always have like some sort of goal, obviously with, uh, trail races, it's a lot harder. You never know what to expect, but, um, I was hoping for a sub three hour and, which I was able to do in um, just a top position. And so you were, you were obviously able to take that, right? Not just top position, you were sixth overall, I believe, um, not just first female. But how did that um, sort of go for you? You built, like, did you take a lot of confidence out of this race? Um, when you were out there on the course, were you specifically chasing men in the second half? Um, what was your strategy like then? Yeah, um, I I was alone for a good bit. I know around eight miles in, like, uh, there's a part that kind of loops back and I could see the top of the hill and I could still see Caleb and Dan and Alex and um, the guy who got seventh, um, trying to remember his name. Um, And so it's just me trying to keep up with them and uh, just see how close I could finish. So this field was uh, a super stout field, especially for a first year race. And at this particular distance, I think a lot of people kind of did, but you didn't use it towards something bigger. That's kind of like what is super exciting about uh, the 20 mile distance there. I know there's one up in uh, Northeast Ohio that people do before the Cleveland marathon every single year, but kind of with that distance then in all of the entrance that were kind of the people, the people that were there, the caliber of talent that was at that race, uh, did that motivate you more on race day than knowing that like, I've got a bunch of super talented women men and women out there on the course running with you uh, for this race? Oh, absolutely. I was like super stoked to see that there was a competitive field of women. Um, And I love being able to chat with them afterwards. Um, But yeah, I know Amanda is a really experienced trail runner and um, so is Mariana. So it was really exciting to be there with them and, and finish one, two, three. So we got our first chat comment here in the chat from Caleb Bowen. And he said that Holly Ann's goal is always to beat the boys. And <laughs> I, I feel like we saw that firsthand this past year at the Rims River 100. Can I talk about that and how you use that as motivation at the races? Um, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it's definitely something that drives me. Um, but uh, uh, Caleb is my training partner, so he knows a little, little more that there's some 
fire in my eyes when I have the opportunity to be a voice. And and so with that said, then, um, do you do you carry that more into these these longer races where things naturally kind of even out in terms of, you know, obviously we've all read and heard about Courtney DeWalter and her performances and probably have been at a race where a woman has beaten the entire men's field and won the top overall spot. Is that more of a, a future facing goal or are you chasing that at every race and every distance you can? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every every race and every distance I can. Um, I know it was definitely Grace and Holland back in May. It was definitely one of my goals then to get a, a top position, uh, maybe top five overall and surprise myself with second overall. Um, and that all kind of came, came about in just the last few miles. I was sitting in fourth and was able to pass the third mile in the last five miles. And then literally in the last mile, I was able to pass number three. Mm -hmm. And kind of um, to shuffle back a little bit to run wild 20 milers specifically, let's kind of do like a, a deep dive of the actual day in the race itself. We've, we've talked a little about your, your goals and kind of your, your mindset going into this and what, what you were using it for, but let's, let's walk us through, you know, you show up, you're sitting there on the start line. We kind of know what you're thinking, but how does the race go out? Is there, is there a lead pack? Are, are things on single track right away? Yeah. Um, it was, it was kind of a big pack of us. I think Alex Monner was leading and then it was, uh, Dan and Caleb and Jonathan and, um, me and Amanda. Um, so it was just this big pack of all of us through nearly four miles. And as soon as we got to the first climb, we started kind of breaking apart at that point. And then going, going up that first climb, when things started breaking up, did you, did you feel good about where you were at in the race? Were you kind of sitting and trying to be patient or were you like, this is 20 miles. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be over in less than three hours. I need to just try to keep the pedal down the whole way. What was, um, did you have any sort of thoughts around that or was it just, you were trying to be patient from the start? Um, I, I kind of felt like, uh, I stayed on the pedal for most of the race. Um, uh, was trying to use, like, I knew a, a good bit of the course. There were some that I hadn't ran, but I kind of knew where those climbs were going to be. So um, it's kind of excited, I guess, to use that maybe in my advantage. And knowing those different um, spots of the course, do you take any confidence away from that as you're, as you're racing? Um, you know, obviously some folks like Caleb, I assume know the course just as well if as you do, um, you know, but are you kind of sitting there like, oh, I know when this hill comes up and I, I can take advantage of it. I'm going to get up it faster. I'm going to make up time here. I know this technical downhill, so I, I can flow it. I know what the line is. Um, like this is going to really help me out. Did you, did you take confidence from that? Uh, I would say maybe if 50%. And I only say that uh, because uh, Barbara's like has a lot of forks and Caleb and I had 
gone and done a couple of um, just portions of the race over the last few months uh, for long runs. And we got lost a couple of times and we're like, well, we hope this will be more marked. And it was um, the whole crew at Roman Ryan. Ryan did a fantastic job marking it. So we really appreciate that. Um, but of course, the the portions I knew were coming up, like that first climb uh, right before four miles. I knew what to expect. And um, so I was more confident about that climb in particular. Take us through the middle part of the race now, you know, like obviously after that climb, things start to space out, you know, that's kind of where uh, things kind of get really interesting in a race that like is 20 miles long. Uh, where was Amanda at this point? Where was Mariana? And then how did the rest of the field kind of shake out in that middle section? Um, yeah, um, I think the middle section was kind of where I was least familiar. Uh, so I had to kind of make sure that I was following those flags, make sure that I wasn't, um, I wasn't going to miss anything. I'm not sure where Amanda and Mariana were at that point, but I just, I guess, always assumed that they were going to be right behind me. So made sure that I still stayed on the pedal, but uh, I was kind of just by myself out in the woods. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, let's talk a little bit about the aid stations at this race here through the middle part of the race. And I don't remember where exactly the aid stations were for this race, but did you have a specific strategy for aid at this race? Were you, you know, going into it with just a handheld because you're like, this is all I need for a 20 mile or did you show up just wanting to blow through every aid station because you didn't, you could do it all on just like two bottles and a couple gels in your pack? Um, that's where it was really difficult. Twenties uh, like right there in between, you know, not quite being long enough that you might need to carry something, but also still being long enough. That, so I kind of struggled with not knowing what to do, but um, I guess when in doubt, always wear my vest and carry what I need. Uh, so I didn't have to stop for any aid. Um, I think the last few times I've been out at Barbersville, I've 100% needed my vest. And I know it's been a super hot summer and it was a, fantastic cool crisp race morning uh, but just definitely wore it just in case and didn't have to stop for anything so i was thankful for that I think a lot of people, you know, use a race like this as like training for like you are for like a hundred miles or whatnot. And there's a lot of lessons you can take from your race and apply it to your future race. Was there anything nutrition wise or aid station wise that you did really well at this race that you're now, are now taking into Rim River in a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I think around mile 15, I just, it just like hit me like a wall. It's like, man, I'm hungry. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even eat breakfast this morning. Um, so I'll definitely eat breakfast before runs or ever. <laughs> I'm not sure how that even happened. I think um, it was just in a rush to get out the door. Mm -hmm. And with uh, with not eating breakfast before a race like this, is that something that you, you usually do? I know no, everybody's got different run schedules. Um, I do, uh, like, I'm 
super sensitive uh, about what I eat. So um, oatmeal usually sits best, uh, easy to digest. And so usually have a bowl of oatmeal before a race like this. And so I'm assuming then that's what you're going to take into Rim to River. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'll have to take notes on that because I'm not a very big breakfast person myself. <laughs> I think we should just get a whole Ridge Runners Nation group put together, you know, before the starting line, and we'll just all make oatmeal together. And uh, oh, it could be a good little uh, reunion there. Can we can we get a sponsor for that? I mean, I know we've reached out to Little Debbie. Maybe Quaker is going to take some emails. I was going to say, I think, I, I think they would probably accept the email, so we can, we can think, see what we can do. I think we should go with Kodiak Cakes. <laughs> there we go. That's, That's another uh, good one. Mm-hmm. I know Chris Mako, absolute blast from the past, by the way. Like, hope he's doing well wherever he is. Um, but he's a big Kodiak Cakes guy. It only took him like a year and a half to get sponsored by them. A lot of shots. <laughs> um, but back a little more to um, the Run Wild 20 miler. That's a good tangent. But um, when you say around 15, you started to feel really hungry. Was that... Um, was it more of a feeling of just knowing that you needed to eat or that kind of like hunger where if, oh, you're not running a race, you're going to go get like a snack right now? Because I, I find when I'm running, I don't feel that same kind of hunger that I would if I was not running. I just kind of have to like, I just know when I should eat, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I just kind of like knew I needed a little more energy at that point and I just kind of felt empty and um I had one gel on me and I was like I guess it just hit me that uh, I didn't even have anything at all before this thing Mm -hmm. and knowing that that was until about 15 miles um did you not do anything else before that either uh, um, in my bottle, I usually carry like uh, noon endurance, but other than that, I, I didn't have any gels or any other. Okay. And so, you know, you, you eat your one gel out of your pack and you're, are you in first place at this point? Um, first, first place female, I would be, uh, I think seventh overall at that point okay and are you what's your what's your feeling here where you're like well I just ate and I know that I needed that but is it more of am I just holding on to the finish or am I trying to push harder or is there an aid station coming up and you're really looking forward to that where what's your mindset leaving mile 15 um, I think it was just more, I, I hope I didn't take this in too late. Hopefully maybe this will kick in and be the energy I need to get me to the finish line. So Caleb Bowen actually kind of has a question going off of that in the last couple of miles, you know, he kind of asked what was the most difficult part of the course for you? He said for him, it was right after the last aid station with four miles to go. Oh, uh, let's see. I don't know that nothing really sticks out as anything that was just like, just put a damper, like it was a, a challenge, but the, the part that he's talking about, um, was definitely 
rough because it was just like definitely for um, mountain bikes. It was like switchback after switchback after switchback. And um, so it's definitely a little bit of a rough section, but um, I don't know. I, I would say the section right before that would be a little worse, super steep downhill, um, lots of jagged rocks I was trying to dodge. Yeah, I mean, you hear you heard it here first. Holly Ann thinks the run wild course is super easy. Oh, you know, not, not hard at all. You know, there's, there's no hard sections, and people can just groove right onto the finish line. That's not true. <laughs> no, that's that, that's awesome though. It's kind of always interesting to hear that. Kind of talk about the last like two miles now. You know, you're, just, you're giving everything you got at this point to kind of get to that finish line. You know, it's in sight. Um, what did that look like for you? Did you pass anyone in the last mile? I know there's a couple of close finishers around you. What was that interaction like? Yeah. Um, I think I was just kind of like, especially with that steep downhill I was talking about, I was like, okay, just make it to the river trail. Just make it to the river trail. Um, I guess if, if you've ever been to Barbara's Wells, it's kind of a, a flat trail section that runs along the river uh, for about three miles. And um, so, yeah, I was looking forward to those last three miles um, leading up to the finish line. And um, I could see sixth place in front of me, but I was just kind of like hanging out behind him. And then I think was probably three-fourths of a mile to go was uh, when I was able to pass him. And So did you, you pass him with the finish and shoot in sight then with just three-quarters of a mile to go? Or you kind of – and how did that go? Did you just, like, blow past him and kind of demoralize him, or was it kind of more of a slow <laughs> build-up? <laughs> so sprint finish? Um, I guess the – it was probably maybe a little less than a quarter mile before the finish line was in view. I don't, I don't know about demoralizing. <laughs> I mean, you're being a little humble right now. You put 30 seconds on them in, uh, in the final quarter mile there. So, or final of three quarters miles, it's a pretty significant uh, gap there. Be a little demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> you might not, you might not have meant it. But, you know, right. It's no. his, his feelings are his responsibility. <laughs> Whoever he is. Shout out to him. But, um, yeah. So um, to kind of just wrap up then, we, we talked a little bit about the moment that you found the most, the most challenging. What was the, what was your favorite moment of this race? Like what made you feel the most, most grateful, the most at home, you know, uh, at Run Wild 20 Miler? I don't know. Uh, just being uh, being out on Barbersville trails, um, being able to race there. Uh, it's it's just a, a place so close that I'm able to get miles in to prepare me for big races like Rim to River, and uh, just to finally be able to race on those trails is pretty awesome. And race some against some awesome competition as well. 
So one thing I'm super curious about, you kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, before, but you mentioned how like, you know, Roman Run is putting on this race. It's a first year race for inaugural race for them as an event management company as well. Um, what was everything? How was everything managed? You know, aid stations, the pre-race atmosphere, post-race atmosphere. Kind of talk about like what the environment was like uh, for you as a runner, you know, who took the top spot and uh, what your perspective on it was. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I can't complain about anything. Honestly, even things out of their control, like the the sunrise that morning was seriously the most beautiful sunrise. Um, had like fog over the mountain, beautiful colors in the background. Um, they had every aid station was stocked. Uh, the volunteers, I knew most volunteers, and they're fantastic cheering on everyone. So um, just the environment from start to finish was great. That's uh, that's really great to hear. And of course, um, as I'm sure you would as well, we definitely recommend everybody check out that race for next year, especially if you got a big uh, fall 100, like the Rim to River 100 uh, coming up, like we all do here. It makes, makes just a really great training run. And, you know, if you want to hear more info about that, go and check out our episode with uh, two of the Run Wild founders that we did what was that number 62, 63? I'm sorry. Never that. Yeah, strong <laughs> subject. It's just, you just search Roman run on our channel. Um, but anyways, then Holly Ann, uh, to wrap that up, let's dive a little bit now into, into your running history. You've got a really interesting story there. Um, when and how did you uh, start running? Yeah. I, um, I started running in elementary school. Um, it was just something I like to do. Uh, I know every Friday they, we had dot day. We had to run five little tiny laps around the, the school. And once you got your fifth dot, you could go play on the playground. And um, I just enjoyed continuing to run the whole time. And my friends would always get like super mad at me that I wouldn't come play with them. But um, I know you, you kind of like bonus points, but towards the county fitness day, if you kept going and I just love to run so much. And then uh, in high school, I joined the track team, um, initially a sprinter, uh, sprinter and hurdler, uh, not great <laughs> at all. But um, I did that until I think 10th grade. Um, my older brother, he loved to run long distances and cycle. And, uh, one night he was going out for a four mile jog and he was like, Hey, you want to join? So, um, I went for a run with him and he was just like super excited that, uh, not only did I last the whole time, but I kept up with him. So he was like, Oh, I wish so much we had a cross country team. Cause you'd do awesome at it. And that kind of stuck in the back of my mind. Um, so 10th grade year, I decided to like try the 3,200 meter distance. And I did that 10th through 12th grade. And then it was still in the back of my mind. So I really want to try cross country. Um, this wasn't something that we had at my high school. So I started filling out recruitment forms. I'll probably put in a recruitment form for every school in the state of Alabama, um, which is where I'm originally from. And um, 
ultimately ended up at Auburn University at Montgomery. And uh, that's where I ran for four years. And um, I was able to use my fifth year eligibility to run at Marshall, transferred into grad school. And I guess that's kind of how I got into running. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shout out to Alabama Public Schools for having you guys run on Fridays. I think I would have maybe <laughs> went down a different path if I had something like that. But all I remember, other than like the typical like <laughs> playground recess stuff for my elementary school, is uh, learning how to square dance, a skill I have now for. <laughs> yeah. So or, not, or the recorder, not, right? <laughs> so. No, we did, didn't do that. Just square dance. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, we had to learn the recorder as well. <laughs> That's, I feel like that's more useful. I've never been in a a square dance related situation, even, you know, maybe that'll change. I've only been in Montana for a month, right? I think I would have rather square dance. (laughs) I mean, this Rims River, Ridge Runner Nation, oatmeal party slash square dancing pre-race ritual thing. It's going to be unbelievable, Cam. I can't wait to see you square dance for everyone uh, before the race. There you you go. You need a partner. It's, It's like a big, it's a big thing. There's a lot of like, you go back and forth. It was it's a big group too. Like I don't think you can just square dance alone. <laughs> I'll trade you my recorder skills, and you can <laughs> show me how to square dance. I I would play the recorder for Hilton. <laughs> I would honestly. Um, but um, once you let's talk a little bit about once you got to Marshall, what that was like for you because that's where you um you met past guest um, and obviously friend and training partner now of yours, Caleb, who was your coach there, right? Yeah. Um, So I used my fifth year of eligibility. Um, I got into the forensic science program here at Marshall and um, I had a lot of big goals. Uh, Caleb helped me accomplish those. I was able to get, um, an all-conference position in track and field, and also currently hold the outdoor track and field 5K, 10K record, and I'm part of the DMR record team at Marshall. Um, So I'm so thankful for what Caleb was able to help me accomplish while I was at Marshall. And um, then now uh, he's still my coach. He's my training partner, so um he was able to kind of help me segment into marathoning and then um consequently into trail running so that's kind of a good segue there kind of going uh from your track career in cross country and shout out to you for all those records that you listed there that's uh awesome that you have those but kind of to, how'd you dive into the trail scene like was it instantly like you know i want to go to the road marathon scene and kind of start there or did you instantly dive into the trails and kind of what was that transition like for you Um, so my initial transition was into marathoning. Um, I knew my strength was definitely longer distance. Um, so we looked at marathoning right outside of college. Um, I didn't know what fall marathon I was going to do. And then I ended up getting sponsored by McLeod Ultra to go to New York City Marathon. So that was my very first marathon. Um, phenomenal experience. Um, And then that following summer, just kind of sustained a knee injury. And at that 
at the point in time, post-collegically, before New York City, the ultimate goal was to try to get Olympic trials qualifier. Um, that's what I was aiming for at New York City. Kind of fell short. It was my first marathon, so I had a lot to learn. I went out in the first half in 118, which is way too fast. And um, so I was trying to transitioning into running my next marathon, sustained the knee injury in the summer. So barely had any summer training at all. Um, I would try to run four or five miles here and there and couldn't run. So it wasn't like I had given up on the Olympic Charles goal, but knew like only had a couple of months to obtain this at that point and summer training had went terribly. Um, I'd already, I'd signed up for a Marshall Marathon. It was something that I wanted to do here and um, just kind of went out and ran it and ended up running 146. It was a little over a minute away from the Olympic Charles qualifier. And it's like, oh, oh no, like I'm so close. Uh, we still have to see if we can do this before the window open or window closes. Uh, window closed on January 19th, very late uh, last race that you could run to get Olympic trials qualifier was Houston Marathon. Signed up for that and ran Houston in 145, 46 or 47. So I was less than a minute off from the goal, which was pretty disheartening, um, but definitely something that I'm still going to try to accomplish in the future for 2024. But um, after that point, like I'd kind of spent two years focused on marathoning and just kind of wanted to break my focus from that. Um, I'd went on a couple of trail runs. It was something I absolutely love to do. So it's just like, well, let's let's take a, a step back and just train, train on the trails. And um, COVID hit, uh, of course, that was the beginning of 2020. So definitely had more time on the trails and um, just fell in love with it and wanted to see what I could do in the racing scheme of things. So my first race I'd signed up for was Holland Sky 40 Miler. That was in June and it got canceled. And so I signed up for Canal Trace 50K in August and it got canceled. And the one race that I signed up for that didn't get canceled was Rome to River 100 Miler. So I found myself uh, an elite marathoner going to 100 Miler, which is, is kind of atypical, um, a little nerve wracking. But, um, but yeah, a 100 mile distance was my first race and <laughs> it was definitely an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. And that's that's such a great story. And we'll... We'll dive more into that into a second, but I just want to mention that Wesley really missed a great opportunity to say that maybe learning the recorder helped you to seal those course records or those school <laughs> records for Marsh. I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> That'll be the last, the last thing I say. He's been sitting out there for five minutes. I don't know why, I have, why he's been I really doing have. it. I just, I wanted to say, anyways. Um, but <clears throat> this, um, this transition, do you think that, um, obviously COVID and all the stresses of that, notwithstanding that transitioning from, you know, the, the road marathon, which is very strict, it's very time focused, you know, the, 
the training can be a lot different and usually is for most people um, to something like trail running. Do you think that, that, that changed help you with any injury issues running more on, more on dirt, maybe more on trails going a little bit slower? I think so. Um, it's, it's definitely a sport that you have to be mentally tough in. So I felt like I had a little bit of the mental training, um, Again, each of them have their are their own monster mentally. Um, I think you had mentioned like uh, in the pre-question, just five k all the way up to a hundred mile time frame. Yeah, they're they're definitely all all their own sort of mental monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so going into that, just knowing that this is the race that wasn't canceled. What was your, your mindset going into, um, interim delivery, you know, elite is, as you said, elite marathon or two hundred miler is your, as your first trail race. That's a huge transition. We're talking a race that lasts less than three hours to one that, um, ended up on the day lasting for you for 27 hours. You know, what was, what was that process like? Um, I knew it was going to be, much bigger than anything I had ever done. But I think like in the circumstance, uh, ignorance was bliss. Um, I'm glad I didn't know what to expect going into a hundred miler, but um, yeah, I, I was super excited to to see what it would be like to run an ultra. And I definitely got that experience. <laughs> Yeah. And you, you definitely had a very, a very interesting story leading into uh room to river that I'd like to talk a little bit about now, just with how the race went for you. I remember, you know, um, being out there filming and seeing you and Caleb going into that first aid station together and thinking it's like, Oh, they're probably just going to roll through a lot of these together, you know? And then little did I know at the time, right. Uh, what your, your training had been like going into room to river. So why don't you fill the folks listening in on what things were like for you, one, two months out of the race. Yeah. So, uh, that fall, um, I guess with COVID and being able to train more <clears throat> that fall was great. I was, I felt super fit. Um, we ran a mile time trial just to see where I was at and I ran a four fifty eight. Like I was super excited with my fitness, like across the board. Um, felt like my mileage was good leading up to hundred miler. And then right at a month out, um, beginning of October, I had something flare up in my SI joint. And, um, at first it was just, it's kind of a twinge. And then I got to the point like a day or two into the injury that I wasn't able to run at all. And, um, I was trying everything, uh, prehabbing it. Um, I went, ended up going to chiropractor seven different times within the month leading up to the race. Um, couldn't run at all. Um, I, the, I was able to cycle, get on stationary and, um, get, get my exercise in that way without any pain, but I was so nervous and 
my goal was just to make it to the starting line, be able to run again and make it to the starting line. And um, I think maybe exactly one week out, I went to a sports masseuse and uh, they were able to loosen up things enough that the next day I was running again. And the next day I was still running without pain. And so I guess at that point I was like, okay, I'll make it, I'll make it to the starting line. I'm excited. But ultimately that didn't take away the fact that I hadn't trained for an entire month um, running wise. And um, so that hundred miles is a lot on your body without a month of training. And <clears throat> I had started the race and I felt fantastic still. Um, my longest distance ever 50 K the first 50 K I ran in sub five. Um, even my 50 miler time was pretty great. But um, I think at mile 45, I was coming down the hill towards Fayette Station and I kind of felt something in my knee. Um, it's like, okay, you know, hopefully this is nothing serious. So I made it down to Fayette Station, just asked for some athletic tape and was hoping maybe I could like um, tape up my knee and make it up to the turnaround. And um, so I kind of power hiked. I, I was able to get some athletic tape, taped up money, um, power hiked up to the top of Fayette Station to where Hawk's Nest Trail started. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to run now. And as soon as I started running, I was just kind of stopped dead in my tracks. Um, money was just like in so much pain that I couldn't move at all. So... I made it to the turnaround and I got um, my piece or BP, um, Brandon Perry, and tried to run a little bit and it wasn't happening. Like my leg was completely locked up. Um, I think at that point I was just trying to not think about the obvious, uh, which is, hey, I'm going to have to hike. 55 miles on super painful, uncomfortable knee. Um, it was just kind of trying to break up the rest of the race and keep that out of my head. And so kind of going off mm -hmm. that, um, you mentioned how, you know, going into this race, you weren't totally fit, like where you thought you would be. And, you know, there's probably a lot of pressure on yourself perform at your first debut 100 miler but there had to be a lot of external pressure as well uh for those of you that don't know uh into the well is a film by the folkway which is going to be premiered uh the night before the rim River this year at the pre-race meeting and you were actually a co-star i believe in that film uh what was that pressure like having a film crew out there kind of documenting the whole experience for you on your debut 100 miler, did that add to the pressure? Did you push harder early on for them or did you push harder late because you know you had to finish uh, to maybe make the film more complete or what have you? Um, I definitely think uh, they, they played a factor um, in my race, but in a good way. And, you know, I had to make sure I made it to the finish line, not only for me, not only for my crew who took the time out of their day, but like I wanted to make sure I'm, I made it to the end um, for anyone watching. And 
So I, d I do feel like there was a little bit of external pressure, but uh, I'm thankful for it. So question, big question here. Have you seen the film? Is it awesome? Or should people be super pumped up the night before the race to watch that thing? I haven't seen it um, on pins and needles, um, but I know he's wrapping it up. So uh, hopefully we can see that soon before you guys get to see it. Well, yeah, we're super excited to kind of see that and uh, have that whole story. Uh, Cam, I think you got something here. Yeah, I do. Um, and so this is always an interesting question for me um, because Wesley and I are, are polar opposites on this. And for those of you who, who know and don't know, it's like he is a guy who uh, hates hiking, right? Um, it does not like, like not outdoorsy. Like I remember distinctly teaching him how to like use a jet <laughs> oil like this, you know? Um, whereas like I got into ultra running because I liked hiking. Um, and so when you're sitting there at, at mile 55, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I've got to walk 45 miles because I can't run. And you've talked about like the pressure you were feeling. Was it more like, I'm just dreading that I have to walk 45 miles or like, oh my gosh, hiking sucks. This is the worst. Like I didn't want to hike a step at this race. Like what was your, what was that mindset like for you? <laughs> Actually, like, thankfully, I love hiking as well. Um, I have two doggos, and I love walking them. Um, I definitely wasn't, I don't know, at, at that point, like, when it would creep into my mind, it was kind of like um, just something, like, so far out in the world to be able to hike 55 miles, like, I don't know it. Yeah. I, I was trying not to let myself think about like the actual distance that it was going to take of hiking to finish. But, um, I guess I wasn't mad about the fact that I was, was going to have to do that. That's, that's good. I definitely, that's good to hear. Um, but so then when you're talking about, well, I wasn't trying to, you know, digest the fact that I had to walk all this way at once. What was, um, what was like the mental strategy? Was it to the next aid station, to the next hill? Like, well, I'm just going to walk this far and then we'll see about going from there. Um, as people often recommend you do on ultras. Yeah, I think uh, with any race, uh, ultras or even marathons, like I break my races up into segments in my head. Um, I don't know, like if there's five aid stations, I'm like, I only have five segments that I have to complete in this race, you know, like it's just get to that next aid station. And that's all I allow myself to think about like during that period of time, like I'll have four more miles until the next aid station, not the entire race, but that, that's just how I help myself to digest the distance that I'm going. Yeah, no, that's a super uh, effective way to kind of break down the uh, distances. I know I'm kind of the same way as I don't like to make it some daunting thing. I like to make it nice and uh, <laughs> nice and manageable uh, for myself. Uh, I think this is a good point to have our uh, seventh inning stretch and just to remind everyone, you know, if you enjoy Ridge Runners and are enjoying this live show, make sure to leave a like and subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, if you have any final questions for Holly Ann tonight, make sure to drop those in the comments as well. I know Eric Anderson uh, has one for you. He says, what is your race feeling tragedy with little to no experience in uh, ultra running? Like, what was that first time like for you maybe at Rims River? And then what are you also going to do at Rims River this year feeling wise? 
Uh, I think like that was what I was most worried about was that I wasn't going to feel appropriately for that distance of time. You know, I've at that point, I've only run 26 miles in two hours and 45 minutes. I could be out here a full 24 plus hours, which I was, which is three full meals that you're missing that you've got to figure out a way to make up on on top of the calories that you're burning. And so for me, um, I'm always drinking my noon endurance uh, to make sure that I'm con- continuing to get those calories. I've got my honey stinger gels that I'm taking in um, every hour, hour and a half. Um, whenever I do even feel slightly hungry, I'll stop at aid station and get something to eat. Um, I know like in Ribbon to River, they had potatoes or potatoes and broth. Uh, one of the bigger things that I was wanting was my crew to have pancakes. <laughs> um but uh, I felt like I was actually super prepared on the fueling side, I guess probably because I was so worried and then like not so prepared on the injury side and how long I would be out there. But um, I think things went really well fueling wise for Rim to River. And I'm hoping just to kind of bring that same strategy back into this year's race. Um, I did set up, uh, hourly, 30 minutes, hourly, uh, nutrition reminders on my Coros watch and didn't really abide by them. But, um, I feel like BP Brandon Perry, my pacer was like getting tired of them by the end of the race. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a couple of good things there though. The very first one is you not mentioning that you're looking to eat pepperoni rolls at the aid stations because <laughs> I am, and I assume you're going to get to most of them before me. And I want to make sure I've got a good selection. <laughs> um, um, actually lactose intolerant and I would have most definitely eaten a pepperoni roll, but the, I asked and they had cheese. In <laughs> well, we'll have to, I mean, I hope Mara's listening to this. We'll have to coordinate <laughs> that next year. I don't know. I don't believe she made them, but I know she was captain at Fayette station. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure something out for you. Um, but anyways, um, with all of the, the experience you have this year going into this race, do you feel, um, like you're in a much, a much better place knowing that this, this not only isn't your first trail race, but that you've, you've done a hundred miler and you know, you know, you walked it in. That's the worst case scenario for a lot of people just above DNFing. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel more prepared, um, um, there's a lot of nerves, um, just considering what happened last year, um, hiking 55 miles on a hurt knee was, was pretty traumatic experience. So just hoping that doesn't happen again. Um, but I think that's what I'm most excited about this year because I just want to see what I can accomplish at that distance without an injury. So um, that's definitely something that's driving me and that I'm super excited about. So Ironman Dan in the chat here kind of has a question going <laughs> off of that. And he says, did you focus on any mental training prior to Rim to River? And I want to kind of tr- toss that to this year's race too. After the tra- traumatic experience last year, what mental training have you done this year for the race to kind of uh, 
go into it with a more positive mindset? Yeah, I think doing um, back-to-back long runs, back-to-back trail runs, or kind of what I'm doing this weekend. Like I had a hard trail race last weekend, doing hard trail race this weekend is kind of training myself to fight, I guess, uh, maybe when I'm mentally fatigued, um, fought through that and um, give me an opportunity to practice positives in, in that setting and, and just making it through um, when things get difficult or when I'm tired. Yeah, those are awesome techniques. And uh, we're excited to see you out there at uh, Rimmed River in a couple of weeks. I know I'm excited to uh, toe the line at that one for sure. Uh, before we dive into our quick questions, I know uh, it's almost about that time. I want to talk about one kind of interesting thing that I've learned about over the past two years or so. And that's just the trail running scene and the amount of trail runners and just awesome runners that are in Huntington, West Virginia. Talk about how special that area is for running on the trail and road size and how that kind of shaped your career. I mean, even like collegiately, post-collegiately, but just like the people that you get to interact with on a day-to-day basis. Like, is there a massive group chat with 50 different Huntington, West Virginia (laughs) runners? Because that's what I kind of envisioning uh, with the amount of like awesome result that you guys have going on down there. Definitely should be. I know like at one point we like had a Instagram going of all the kind of local people and would attempt to meet up for trail runs. But um, yeah, it is phenomenal just knowing that um, we have people like Caleb Bowen, Dan Green, Alex Monner, you have Ron Ramsby, you know, yeah, Brandon Perry, like all these people super close together who are just fantastic on the trails um, people that you can run with at any given time, um, but people, you know, that are gonna just, um, do huge things in their races whenever they run. Absolutely. Um, that's really great to hear. And, uh, so we're going to go ahead and dive into our, our quick questions that we end each show with then. Um, if you do have anything last minute, you'd like to ask Holly Ann, you can just Throw that in the chat. Wesley will uh, let us know. He'll interrupt me. But uh, we'll go ahead and start these now, Holly Ann. Uh, what's one thing you can't leave an aid station without? Um, I don't feel like I have anything really cool to say here. But um, like I said, my noon endurance, um, they're these like packets of powder. They have recovery, endurance, and prom. And they have like, they're the one thing that I found that has helped me more than anything um, in all three areas, I think prom has amino acids in it. Um, endurance has all the electrolytes you need and recovery has protein. I just know like after a hard workout, I'll take the recovery and I won't feel sore at all the next day. So um, definitely can't leave without my noon packets. What's the weirdest hallucination or the strangest thing that you've ever seen somebody eat at an aid station? Oh, um, strangest thing I've seen someone eat, uh, on that side of things. I don't know about eating wise, but I do find it strange that most like ultras have like liquor shots. Like (laughs) why why does someone want to drink fireball in the middle of a 90 degree race? Like I can't imagine. (laughs) Like, can all trace have these fireball shots? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's 
I, I definitely get that. And I mean, I will say it's not just fireball at Warhammer 50. They had um, angels envy at mm. one of the aid stations, <laughs> which I DNF that race. Um, but they offered it to me at mile 11, which is way too good of a bourbon to have at mile 11 of an ultra. Oh, <laughs> so, Hey, if you're looking for a, a bourbon themed race, you know, that's uh, the one I need to go yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as hallucinations, I haven't like personally had any in any of my trail races. Um, so my, my close friend, Brandon Perry, I pasted him two weeks ago at Grindstone 100 Miler. And uh, there in the last five miles, um, I said, whoa, those trees look really trippy. And he was like, those look like normal trees. Are you okay? So I said he, he'd probably get a kick out of that this question, but I promise I was okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I don't know why I'm going to read this one, but I'm sure you're going to have my back here. Uh, what place is Wesley going to finish at Rim to River? Uh, and is Caleb going to make it to the starting line? You know, I think you saw the prediction video. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, Caleb. What are your predictions, Holly? Ann? I don't know. I, I think y'all have mentioned that he's going to DNF a couple of times now. <laughs> 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 You've got it out for Caleb for sure. I, I upgrade at least to a DNS. So I, <laughs> a DNS. I, I, I don't think like, that's an upgrade. <laughs> I don't think so either. That would mean he's injured and he's just like, I don't know. I I get injured quite a bit, but I've I, not really known Caleb getting an injury in the last few years. I'm hopefully just I don't jinx that. Yeah, hopefully he just does a Wesley Hart in Columbus Marathon 2018 or 2019 and just sleeps <laughs> through the start and just misses the whole race. You know, like that happened no. to me. Maybe Caleb just does that. He used to start two and a half hours back and go this past everyone. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of what I was envisioning. I obviously hope Caleb is healthy uh, for the race. Is that I'll, the say, I'll say you'll be in the... <laughs> no, it's, it's the Columbus Marathon, but I finished the this year. So... Uh, I appreciate that. It's like, I have that same shirt. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't oversleep this year. I'll say I'll be on the top 10, Leslie. Oh, okay. That's that's Ooh. close. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Cam, I think you got the next quick question here. Um, I do. This is our, our most egregious one, um, but I'm really liking it. Uh, if you have the option between fighting one chicken um, every day of the year, and it exponentially grows with the days of the year. So on the second day of the year, you fight two chickens on the third day, three chickens and so on for an entire calendar year, or you can fight one mountain lion after you have the same 365 day to year to train. If you're fighting the chickens, you don't get anything, but if you fight the mountain lion, you get a sword and armor, uh, which are you taking Holly Ann? Um, so this kind of took a, a couple of minutes to ponder, but like 100% of the chickens, like that's nearly 67,000 chickens I'm fighting with my bare hands. That's like much more noble than one mountain lion. And on top of that, like I already struggle with trying to get in strength training and motivate myself to do that. And now I'm fighting chickens daily. So I'm getting in my strength training for the trials. It's like a win-win situation. 
You know, we've never had anybody actually do the math on that one. <laughs> and you did, you did let us know exactly how many seconds it would be. It was 66,795. That's a lot of chickens. Chickens are vicious. Yeah. I mean, if that's the kind of strength training you're doing, I might need to get on your program because I like doing a lot of glute bridges and that's much less exciting. Um, yeah, but so moving on to our next one then. Um, so if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? So, um, I have way too many songs that I like, so this would probably change daily, but, um, I'd said run, run, run by Phoenix for that one. Um, that Phoenix is definitely in my top 15 favorite artists, so. Top 15. You get you just like love throwing people way outside the top five. You're like, Wesley top 10, Phoenix top 15. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Your top five must be so elite at everything. No. <laughs> no, that's, that's an awesome answer. That's an awesome answer. Uh, going on to the next one, you know, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and they would be able to run with you and keep your pace, who would you run with and where would it be? Yeah, uh, for this one, um, my my grandmother, uh, she was like my absolute biggest fan. Um, she was at every race that she could be at, and um, she had passed away my fifth year before she was able to make it to conference. But um, I know like she watched my indoor races like um, live in her hospital bed and I just like, it would be incredible um, just to have her right there beside me um, chatting about life and what I've been able to do the last few years. Great answer. Um, that's why that's, that's one of our, uh, our favorite questions, just because we love the answers that we get from that one. Um, but uh, if we've got no more questions from the chat, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close the show out. Um, well, nope, forgot. Holly and uh, do you have any sponsors or anybody you would like to thank? Um, yeah, I'd like to thank um, Chorus Global, uh, Rabbit Running, um, Noon Hydration, um, Honey Stinger, and um, also a special shout out to Speedland. Um, I think they're going to be like really critical um, for my Rim to River experience this year because I had a lot of issues with trail running shoes the last year and um speedland has been phenomenal in the last two months that i've been able to run with them well make, everyone make sure to go check out those brands and uh give them a follow on social media as well if you're looking to uh, follow holly ann you can go to our youtube description and uh you can find her strava and instagram there as well thank you so much for joining us tonight holly ann you know it was fun to uh learn about rims river last year what your motivations are going into it this year and kind of obviously everything you accomplished this past weekend at the run wild 20 miler uh, i know a lot of return nation members are super excited to see you throw down an incredible performance at rims river 100 uh, I'm going to go on the record right now. Early prediction video, top female at the uh, Rim Turbo 100 this year. And uh, I'm super excited to see it happen myself. So 
thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to end the show a little differently. Uh, we actually have a little segment here from Road to 100 that's going to be releasing tomorrow on our YouTube channel. It's a little adventure from our, the Grand Tetons uh, this past weekend that Cam, JD3, and myself did. So uh, we hope you enjoy that little clip and you tune into that tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Holly Ann. Thank you, guys. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, version of our nation. Oh, 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 oh